Hello, everyone, and welcome to Isaka's Industry Spotlight. My name is Holly Mangrum Willis, and I am the Senior Program Manager for Isaka's Foundation, One in Tech. Joining me today, and I am honored to have her, is Caitlin McGaw. She is a career strategist and job search coach. Welcome, Caitlin. Thank you for being here today. I am so excited to get into this conversation, um, mainly because a lot of what we do at ISACA is definitely um, technically based, right? And it speaks to um, our IT governance and the, that whole idea of what it takes, what goes into digital trust. However, in this job market, we're seeing that people are really leaning into what it takes mm-hmm. people-wise and resource-wise to stay safe and to affect digital trust. So to that end, can you please give us a bit of an introduction and tell us how you got started on this journey? Um, and yeah, give us your origin story. Okay, Holly, thanks a bunch. Um, great to be here. Thanks. Like, wonderful to talk with you. So, you know, with respect to kind of how I got into this space, I mean, it really was through executive search and I kind of lucked into it. I came back from nine years in Malaysia and needed to do the re-entry mom thing. And I had been interested in executive search ever since I'd been out working at an engineering firm where I watched executive search firms bring on new marketing people and whatnot. And I thought, gosh, that idea of corporate matchmaking seems so exciting and that would be cool to do. And I think it would parlay a lot of my skills. So long story short, I answered an ad in the paper back in the day, 1997, and landed a job with this crazy little executive search firm that was dedicated to IT audit. So Lander International had carved out this niche and I really got hooked. We had a passionate founder of that company who'd actually been an early ISACA chapter president in 1989 to 1990 for San Francisco, heavily involved in ISACA um, and was really committed to the cause of being a resource clearinghouse for the IT audit profession. And I, the more I learned about IT auditors, I had no clue what an IT auditor was. And back at that point in time, I mean, people were still using the acronym um, EDP auditor. And the more I learned about kind of the heroic job that they were doing in keeping our companies safe and our IT safe and ensuring that fraud wasn't happening through IT mechanisms and just a whole suite of things and how hard their jobs were, I got hooked. End of story. Awesome. So, Caitlin, um, let's dig in a little bit more about this intersection between IT audit, uh, you know, what ISACA does within Digital Trust and this niche of career coaching and making opportunities more transparent within the industry. What And you say you've been in this since 1997, right? So, can you talk a little bit about that intersection and why it is such an important lane, not only for you to travel, but for the industry as a whole to take a to take a closer look at? So if I'm hearing you right, I mean what you what you're you're really kind of 
asking about is sort of why it's critical to be looking at the career kind of the career pathing element and the career planning and and as you know I'm, I frame myself as a career strategist and so what I've seen over the years is I ended up being a teacher fundamentally and and because of the search firm that I worked for for 16 years and ultimately was an executive director there because of the philosophy of the founder a huge emphasis was put on coaching the candidate we we also coached our hiring leaders but we coached our candidates heavily and early on i got very interested in helping my professionals message better present their resumes better present their stories better it proved to me that when professionals in this space do that they interview better they get better jobs uh, they have better career trajectories. And so after having done search um, and year, um, when I just felt like, hey, it was, it's time to pivot. I really want to bring that process, that notion of process improvement in this very particular space to the ISACA community and beyond, because most people don't get that opportunity to learn how to build a high impact resume or a high impact professional brand or how they can parlay uh, all the skill sets that they've developed as IT auditors, IT compliance and governance and risk professionals, cybersecurity professionals. They've got this skill set that in fact lends itself naturally to the skill sets required for marketing not only their projects, their teams, their departments, but also themselves to build more effective careers. And that's what I, I want to bring to people is that skill set. Okay. This is incredible. So we're building more effective careers. We are setting uh, not only our folks who are hiring, but our applicants up for success to be able to present their best selves. Can you speak a little bit about how going about career coaching in that way provides additional access to marginalized populations. And I'm speaking to those who might be marginalized because of their gender, because of their sexual orientation or ability or race, culture, and ethnicity. Has this focus on equipping an applicant helped companies to diversify and be more inclusive in their hiring practices? Oh, I think very much so. I mean, I think, I think unfortunately, um, you know, by virtue of lack of access to resources, lack of access to mentors, of lack of access to oh, any, any number of support mechanisms that more privileged groups have access to, that by bringing the coaching to the job applicants in the search process, I think really actually helped us place, when I was doing recruiting, place more women, place more diverse applicants across the board, just because we taught them the skills they needed to better level that playing field. And that definitely is a goal uh, in terms of extending this reach and continuing to offer, you know, I, I offer sort of uh, some pro bono services in order to continue to offer that in the free way that I did as a recruiter, because 
course, when we do search, we don't charge our candidates for all that coaching that's invested in them. And, and I will say, not all uh, recruiters do that. Many are very focused on maximizing their return on investment by placing as many people as they can and spending as little time with them as possible. And that's where I give um, Lander International's founder, Richard Tuck, a really huge kudos for fostering this idea that we're working with this really cool population that there aren't many of them. They're in high demand. They're hard to find. And when you find a gem, maybe they don't present perfectly, but the goal is to help them present their best selves so that the hiring leaders will be more creative and move beyond a cookie cutter stereotype um, and hire this person. And we did a lot of that. I mean, I remember um, there was a woman who had a dance degree and uh, she was championed by us and is now an executive director at a very major organization in Southern California. And I mean, it was because she was believed in. I have placed somebody who had a biology degree um, and he is an outstanding cybersecurity professional. And it's been a joy to watch watch him grow over the years. So, I mean, I think it's it's not only the a-traditional candidate or non-traditional candidate, but also those who've not had access to all the sort of polishing mechanisms that um, other groups have access to. So that's kind of my take on it. That is awesome. And, you know, you, you, you speak to my spirit because I have an extensive dance background. I, um, I do. I do. I actually, I trained in classical ballet and other forms for 15 years. And I taught for 20 years. Um, And, you know, on a personal level, it has been really hard in my career trajectory to help hiring managers understand the transferable skills that come from that type of experience. Absolutely. And so I noticed, too, that you have a degree in anthropology. Mm-hmm. From UC Berkeley, which is which is amazing. I, I'd imagine it was a, a wonderful experience. But can you talk about a little bit about transferable skills and fostering those transferable skills and developing a language around it so that it provides more access to a more diverse candidate pool, but also increases enterprises' ability to be successful by having the by having access to these different types of thought or different schools of thought. So if, if I were to narrow it down, what I'm asking, talk about transferable skills and what that means for our digital trust industry. Yeah, well, I think so. I mean, I've seen that play out in a lot of different ways, right? Um, the transferable skill set, I mean, manifests, for instance, you have the reentry parent, right? Or you have the person who's had to take time out to look after a sick family member or an aging parent. And then you've got um, people coming from the military. You have people coming from overseas. All of these circumstances offer sets of experiences that are not necessarily readily understood unless you have an absolutely ethic hiring leader who's willing to think about what those experiences entail and what they say about the person's ability to project manage, multitask, resolve conflict, be empathic, put themselves in the other person's shoes, 
be creative in their problem solving approaches. I mean, there, I could go on and on also about the kind of care and integrity that they would bring to or teamwork skills that they would bring to the workforce. I mean, I've worked with a number of people who transitioned from the military and maybe they've had uh, budding cybersecurity skills that then can more readily be parlayed, or maybe they've had some audit skills that can be parlayed. But one of the gentlemen that I placed a few years back was um, leaving the Navy and had been this amazing logistical planner for all kinds of big naval war exercises and had to get boats from A to Z across the world and all the supplies to um, ensure that these exercises went off smoothly. And he became an IT auditor with a fintech firm and did an amazing job because he understood how to get along with people, how to work with cross-functional teams, the importance of good messaging about why you were doing what you were doing and the value it would bring. They were just so he learned some of the technical skills on the job, but he had this massive skill set behind him that supported his success. And I've seen the same with reentry parents or folks who were older who had actually maybe retired or taken an early retirement, but have this incredible skill set that they can bring back into the workplace and. Getting past ageism is another place where we really have to think about these non-traditional candidate pools that in fact can be of huge benefit. And as you point out, you know, that diversity of age, gender experience really fosters a different kind of dialogue that means that you have more opportunity for innovation and creative problem solving because you don't fall into um, sort of a group think scenario. Absolutely. Caitlin, you are you are so incredibly interesting um, because I think what, what you're talking about are things that, you know, I've only necessarily covered in conference learning and whatnot. And some of these concepts of uh, inclusion and, and diversity of thought really being a, an innovative and revenue driving factor is still being socialized and still, you know, taking it's, it, I think enterprise is a little slow to, to, to grasp onto. So, um, it sounds like you're in, incredibly committed to all of that. So let's get specific. Can you tell us about Caitlin McGaw coaching and, what you specialize in, your services that you're offering. And, you know, this is an opportunity to let folks know how to get in touch with you um, and, 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 and why to get in touch with you specifically. Sure, sure. So the coaching practice flows naturally from the recruiting. I mean, it's really 24 years of coaching being parlayed now to a much broader audience. Um, and, and so that people can have a dedicated coach who's dedicated to listening to them and helping them achieve their specific goals. And the, the key prongs to that are job search strategy from A to Z, starting with defining the parameters of what you're really looking for and where are you going to do that? Who is involved in your search? Meaning what companies are you going to target? What, what kind of job? So it's, it's starting with that entire strategy uh, through execution, through offer management and uh, even onboarding. So my goal is to really ensure that people 
find the right role that they're looking for through a great process. So it's all about process improvement, right? People think they kind of know how to do it, but uh, even with senior leadership, I've seen people really not understand how it works. And it, it's no wonder it's been evolving. The whole job search process has evolved from back in 1997 when I answered a little ad in the paper to kind of the whole digital space that it is now with even last summer TikTok talking about its TikTok resumes and like, really, are we going to go that way? But, um, you know, so that's one prong of it. Then the next prong is the resume rework and creating a professional brand that really speaks to who you are and addresses kind of where you're going and presents that to the world in a way that people will see it and recognize it and see you and hear your messages clearly. I think that is something where people have learned, for instance, a lot of outdated messaging styles, particularly on resumes, um, which are the one and only piece of marketing collateral that job search candidates get to offer up. And I think it's really critical that people pay attention to sort of the stewardship of their professional brand. So that's another piece of it. And then the whole career management, you know, how should I stay? Should I go? Should I try and pitch for an internal promotion? Would it be better if I left and then maybe boomerang back? I mean, they're just a myriad of job considerations that can make or break a career. And one of the things that I guess, because of having been in the midst of the debacles over Enron and MCI and watching the advent of socks and watching a lot of people lose jobs in that, and then the dot-com bust, and then the 2008 bust. And we did so much pro bono work all along the way to try and help basically the Isaka community get employed. But what became essential to me is this notion of career sustainability and how can I help people build that? And because I, I have witnessed it and have helped hundreds of people, if not thousands, do that, that's real world tested experience with processes that have been tested over umpteen years that I know work and I know will drive results for people. So that's what I'm bringing to the ISACA community and beyond when I'm in my coaching chair. That is amazing. That is incredible. I mean, essentially what you're describing is 360 degree coaching for employees, which in turn helps employers, which in turn helps, it helps enterprises bottom line. Mm -hmm. So I have a bit of a question here. How do you, determine who you would like to work with. Because I I heard, and, and, I, and I just want to acknowledge for a second, thank you for what you have done for the ISACA community. Thank you for what you have donated. I've heard you mention that you've done, you've provided some pro bono work and resources and coaching in our community sincerely appreciates you for, for doing that, especially in a very high time of need, such as the 2008 bust and, and so on and so forth. And as we look at the state of the world now and uncertainties going forward to know that there is a resource available for our membership and for our leaders and, and, and volunteers is incredible. So thank you on behalf of ISACA and One in Tech. But to that end, how do you decide who you will work with, who you will coach? Because what and what I'm getting at 
is as I listen to you, I listen to your passion. I listen to your commitment. So I can already tell that it's not about who can afford you. I can already tell that it's not about, you know, who has the the highest likelihood of producing positive outcomes for which you can, you know, tip your hat to and brag about. What, like, how do you read people? What, do you have any quick tips for assessing potential clients and then moving forward in coaching with them? Yeah, well, I think it's, you know, that's a great question. I think it's the same kind of metrics that in fact, recruiters are taught to apply. And one of the big ones is coachability. Is the person open to some constructive feedback? Is the person open to um, growth? And it, and you know, there's a lot of talk now about the growth mindset, and I think that's a critical attribute of people who are going to succeed in any kind of coaching scenario. And and let's face it, coaching happens on the job. Um, good managers offer good coaching to their directs and indirects and to those they mentor. But it's up to each of us to hear those messages and act on them as we see fit. Also, it's up to us to discard the ones that don't fit and feel like they, they're, you know, not good. But I think it's really that growth mindset and people who are willing to step back and take a look at themselves and say, how can I improve? And then are willing to be held accountable both by themselves and, and to somebody else who's holding them accountable to their goals, their stated goals. So, I mean, that's the dialogue that I have, I've always had with candidates is to assess, you know, can I really help you because you don't want just a recruiter who's going to throw your resume to everybody that we've got as a client, you're willing to put in the work, you're willing to work on your resume, you're willing to be coached for an interview. As soon as somebody says, I, I don't need any coaching, I, I, I done a zillion interviews. I know everything there is to know about interviewing. Um, that's that's not a candidate that I was ever particularly excited to work with because in very, they did not know my client. They needed the specific information that we had from our client brief about that client and our multiple conversations with the client and the hiring manager and their process that would invariably help the success of the candidate. But if somebody tells me, I know everything, I don't need your help. Just like, just walk me in the door. Um, that was somebody we'd say, I don't, I don't think we can really lend a hand. So I think as a coach, I listen for people who are want to want coaching and want to grow, want to improve and have a growth mindset. That is amazing. I, I'm, I'm enthralled and I'm probably going to call you after we finish this. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> because, you know, because a, a lot of us, especially, you know, for the last couple of years, the world has changed and yeah. it has changed drastically. And, you know, I think we talk about this new normal, right? And attempting to establish a new normal for ourselves. To, I, I, I have a question in, with, with regard to a, new, to a new normal. How have you stayed on top of industry trends? on top of you know what what the what industry not just digital trust but the world as a whole as far as hiring and 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 career support how do you stay abreast of 
what's current and then in turn push your current roster of clients to that next level, to the next frontier? Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a big question. You know, there are, there. it's wonderful that there is just such a tremendous amount of access to resources, but it's also kind of a flood. One of the things I did recently for the ISACA Careers Corner was actually go out to the ISACA community and say, what are you consuming? You know, talk to me, tell me, tell me what you're consuming. And it was splendid. Um, people contributed podcasts and various newsletters that they were getting and trainings and just all kinds of things. And that was, so people can find that in the ISACA Careers Corner archives of the uh, great resource roundup, which I think you'll enjoy. But uh, with respect to career trends specifically, I mean, I think there's a, just a bunch of things. One, the Harvard Business Review has ongoing great articles about how the workplace is changing, how hiring is changing, job descriptions, the AIs that parse resumes, just there's a zillion things there in the Harvard Business Review. And I, I think that's an amazing resource for people who are interested in building their careers and getting more really accurate and good information. I think there are some other interesting resources that are much broader at the more industry level about where things are heading, which informs the ISACA community and beyond about skill sets they need to develop is McKinsey has just heaps of different newsletters and updates um, that are marvelous. Uh, a podcast that I really like, and I, I recently participated in this, is CISO's Stories with Pod Fitzgerald as the host, which I think is brilliant for people who are interested in cybersecurity and understanding what CISOs do and their challenges. And, um, you know, I think that informs even the senior security analyst can gain a lot from that. Chirag Joshi has another on this, I think it's called the strategic art of, you know, career growth and for cybersecurity. Don't quote me on that. Sorry, Chirag. Um, but it's a marvelous, marvelous podcast that Chirag Joshi has initiated. And then ISACA has, as you know, I mean, there's just a bazillion resources via ISACA from, I mean, I, I've always enjoyed going to chapter meetings um, and learning from the peers in the chapter meetings and what better way and what's, what safer space, right, to go than like to my, my yay chapter, Chicago, you know, I love, I love that chapter. There's just so many people that you can talk to and instantly you have this affinity. You all belong to Isaka. You're all doing cool stuff. And the chapter meeting is your safe space to go and, and network and practice networking and find out what's going on in your market space. And I think the chapters are really incredible from that perspective for anybody who's a job seeker, especially in smaller markets. Um, you know, I, I can't say enough about that. Oh, so such thank you for offering such incredible resources, podcasts, Harvard Business Review, McKinsey, and you are absolutely right. Sometimes when you Google things, career and IT audit and governance related, digital trust related, those are the two of the first that pop up yeah. um, with 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 timely and current resources. So that that is incredible. So before I let you go. Given all of what you learn and how you stay on top of industry trends, 
um, given the work that you do, what do you see is the future of this intersection between career development and digital trust in the digital trust industry? Like where, where do you see us heading? And I'm thinking specifically about, I do believe the number and forgive me if I throw out a wrong number, but we have millions of jobs across the globe that are currently unfilled or underutilized essentially. So right. what's the fu- what's the future of what it is you do to close that gap? I mean, I see a gaping hole in the IT audit space. There's been a huge ramp up in terms of jobs and awareness of information security. Gosh, I mean, when I, back in the day, information security always seemed to be the ugly stepchild, right? And I mean, we're talking in the ni- late 1990s, early 2000s, um, even even after 9-11. I mean, it was still kind of an afterthought and business continuity and disaster recovery, which also got sort of folded into risk and security. It still felt like an afterthought. That now seems to be on a very good track to being rectified. And a lot of people are super excited about jumping into the cybersecurity space. I think a lot of younger professionals who really feel some passion around that. I still think, and this is one of my crusading points, I still think IT audit sort of has a poor reputation for being boring and rote. And I guess I'm here to argue that it's anything but. It is a renaissance career that whether you make it your all out career or a a great stepping stone with incredible training. And I've watched so many people move from IT audit to IT risk, from IT audit to security, or if they want it to compliance, or I've had IT auditors become marketing professionals or become um, human resources and talent acquisition and diversity leaders. I, I mean, I've seen the whole gamut of careers unfold based on IT audit. So I, the notion that people are going to get pigeonholed in IT audit, I, I don't buy it. I have not seen it and I don't buy it. I think there are some circumstances where you could get into a department where you might be a bit trapped. But by and large, I just see that as the gaping need where we really need to bring in everybody to plug that gap. And particularly, we need to bring in hiring leaders to say, we need to really look beyond the requirements that we think make a good IT auditor. I think that because it is such a renaissance skill set and it folds in so many diverse competencies that there are lots of people out there that can become really superb IT auditors and we need them. We need them to protect our, our companies and um, to keep us out of hot water on so many levels. So that's the place where I would I would like to see more focus and um, you know just a better understanding of how critical that particular trajectory is. So I guess that's my my pitch to you, Holly. Absolutely, Caitlin. I could talk to you all day about this, and unfortunately, we are out of time today. We are. And I'm gonna lobby my colleagues here at ISACA and our digital media team to invite you back as uh, you know later on down the line as we continue to see changes within the industry, as we continue to see the fruits of your labors and realize some of those things that you were just discussing about there being opportunity, hiring opportunity everywhere and getting creative about the types of people that we're hiring and honoring the notion of transferable skills and their applicability 
to the exciting world of digital trust, IT auditing and governance, because it is exciting. And I can say that as a person that, you know, while working in the foundation and nonprofit space, because I am so closely tied into ISACA as our, as its foundation, I've learned so much. And it, when I tell you it is thrilling and enthralling, it is. It, it, it's an exciting space to be in. So, Caitlin, I thank you and I look forward to an opportunity to speak with you again. Um, everyone to our audience, we appreciate you joining us today. If you would like to get in touch with Caitlin, please make sure you click the links below. I'm sure you have found that she is a wealth of knowledge and resource. And so we hope that you tap into that and look forward to speaking or to sharing um, our next industry spotlight with you. Thank you again for joining us. Take care and stay safe.